On today's podcast, we got Gene Garino talking about assisted living facilities. Now, we've talked about assisted living facilities in the past, and it's something I've invested in as a limited partner because although it's a very high touch as from an operator's perspective, I mean, I don't think anybody can doubt the silver wave of all the baby boomers retiring and eventually needing to go into the care home. Let's listen to Gene, and here we go. If you guys are looking for a CPA or legal referral, shoot me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com and I'll connect you with my guys who I use. And for those of you guys who contact us here soon, we'll be hooking you guys up with a free introduction uh, strategy session for those who reach out via Simple Passive Cashflow. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey everybody, it's Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please go to the website and sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. That's Simple Passive Cashflow backslash club. Today I got Gene Green on the line. Hey Gene. Hey, Lane. So Gene is the guru for the residential assisted living that we've been talking about a lot lately. He is known as the expert in the residential senior housing space. And not only is he a certified financial planner, but over the last 20 years, he's been licensed in Australia for the last seven years. He also has spoken into over 300,000 people in, the, in five countries live from stage. Uh, Gene has also written four books on this topic and... Uh, Posted three radio shows of his own. Gene understands that this assisted living thing is not going to be gone away, which is why he's probably built his business around it. So, um, yeah, Gene, tell us a little bit about uh, senior housing. Why is it? Why is it such a big thing these days that we're all talking about? Well, thanks for inviting me and for uh, having me here. It is a hot topic. There's a lot of people getting involved. And the reason for that is we kind of see it from our own perspective. We know we're aging and our parents are aging. So it's getting real, you know, instead of just being a statistic uh, that we see the aging population. So I'll just kind of give you a little history of how I got started. And by the way, the four books I've written are not on this topic, just four books. And I do have two more books on the way on this topic, but just to clarify that, because sometimes people run out and look for them. So there it is. My first real estate was the age of 18, and that was just simply out of need. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lot older than that now, but I had a music school, recording studio, record label, and a landlord. And the landlord was terrible. It was either we shut it down or we figure something out. We ended up buying a house, no money down, and that was 18. Then we did uh, by the time I was 25, did the first commercial, been doing real estate investing for a long, long time, but I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So when I first heard about assisted living, which was 15 plus years ago, somebody from the front of the room in a big crowd said, you should learn how to do and you should be doing assisted living. And when I ran up there to find out what he meant by that, he said, well, I don't actually do it. I'm just saying you should. And uh, so I couldn't find somebody who was willing to show me how, who was doing it. Uh, so it wasn't until five years ago when I actually got involved and that's because my mom needed help. And when you have a parent who needs help at that moment, you realize this is real and you start to look for solutions. All right. And it, and it always seems like everybody kind of comes in from the, this normal uh, entrance, which is the residential real estate, you know, single family homes. And then a lot of the entrepreneur spirit gets involved and you fall into different categories. Like, you know, myself, I went down the multifamily apartment space, but um, residential assisted living, you, 
you don't hear as much. I mean, multifamily is by far what most people get into. And maybe it's not the best place to go for yourself. <laughs> Let me kind of lay it out because I know some of the people listening are thinking, what does he even do? What does it really look like? When you, when you were to say to me years ago, assisted living, I would think big like a nursing home a big building that's green inside with hallways, linoleum floors and doctors and nurses and gurneys. So it's not that right now uh, in our world, there's so many people that are aging that there's big, huge corporations, publicly traded companies that are investing tens of millions of dollars into these large campus like facilities. So independent living, assisted living and skilled nursing or nursing home all in one campus. And they call that a CCRC. So continuous care retirement community. And in that kind of a community, it's you can, you, somebody moves in and they take care of themselves. It's age restricted, 55 and above. When you need help, call somebody and they'll come into your own home or apartment or something there. But when you really do need help, the assisted living, you can move next door into it. And then if you need to move to a nursing home or skilled nursing, it's there. So that's the commercial side, if you will. So we do it on a residential side. Single family home in a normal neighborhood, but we're going to teach you how to do it more upscale. But at a normal neighborhood, that home, you wouldn't notice anything different from the outside. And in that home, a few changes have been made. Grab bars, uh, smooth floors, maybe wider doors. But inside, it's a group of seniors living there being taken care of by caregivers. Not a nurse or a doctor, but caregivers 24-7. Outside, it looks the same. Inside, it's just a different group of people living there. But the key to this uh, from the money-making side, which I know your, your listeners want to hear about, is those people are paying four, five, six, seven thousand per month per person. So if you have a home with eight people in it, 10 people in it, 12 people in it, and they're paying $5,000 per person, that's a lot of gross income coming in. So the difference on the real estate side is it's not just the real estate, you're paying for that care. So... I'm going to break it down this way. There's two parts, the real estate and the business, and you can do either or both, or you can just write a check and invest with a REIT and they'll do it all for you. But the either or both, if you do the real estate side, you own real estate and you're going to lease it to the person who's going to do this business called residential assisted living. Now it's called 20 different things throughout the country, but that's what it's called generically. That's what we call it, the REL Academy. So you own the real estate, you're leasing it to this operator. You can charge anything you want for the lease. So in most commercial leases, it's a triple net lease where the tenant is taking care of the insurance, the taxes, the maintenance, and so on. So just think of it as a residential property on steroids where the tenant might want a five-year lease, maybe willing to pay up to twice the market rent, and they'll take care of the basic maintenance, and you can have a home warranty policy to take care of the, the bigger maintenance. So if you do that, you've got a long-term tenant, a low-impact tenant, and they, it's a long-term lease. It's a really sweet deal. So instead of making a few hundred dollars a house per month, you can make a few thousand dollars per house per month. That's good. But if you operate that business, you can make $10,000 a month on top of the real estate. So 10,000 or 15 or 20,000, depending on the area you're in. I was always frustrated by the numerous investing education programs out there who gouge their investors, charging them 5,000, 10,000, 25, even $40,000. I don't know about you, but I thought it was completely wrong when they tricked people, actually had them call their credit card providers to get a credit line increase to pay for the program. Many of these people could not afford these expensive coaching options and should have used it as a down payment for their first investment. If someone only had 20 grand, they should use that to buy a rental to get started. Let me make one thing clear. Our mastermind is not for you if you're broke. 
It's a cost-effective way to mitigate mistakes when building your portfolio. People in this group are going to be a pre-selected population of professionals and high net worth individuals. You'll be a good in company. That is after you apply and get in at simplepassivecashflow.com backslash journey. And yeah, if you're lonely and struggle to find motivated friends who want to do more than sit at their W-2 jobs, collecting a paycheck, then go home and watch Netflix all day because all they can afford is $8.99 a month on their digital entertainment budget, then this is a place for you too. Simplepassacashflow.com backslash journey to learn more. Saw this assisted living in Happy Gilmer, you know, they, they sent the mom off to this like a sweat factory where they had them knit and, I don't know, do different senior tasks to a sweatshop but it's not like this this is like just another house down the street you know maybe some of the bigger ones right you know with the five bedrooms plus then you can are a lot of you guys converting some of these houses where is where there's some major rehab you know changing living rooms to more bedrooms yeah or is it pretty much keeping it the same and that's a great i gotta say that's just a great analogy because a lot of people can relate happy gilmore that scene with ben stiller as the caregiver and they're they're in the back making quilts and <laughs> back. It's funny, but in a home, uh, well, let's start this way. Cause some of you right now, you're in a position where your parents are of an age where they may need assisted living. And if it's a big box facility, as I call it, Brookdale, Sunrise, Altria, they may have a hundred or 200 or 300 beds. So the caregivers kind of come and go, not as much accountability and so on. Whereas if it's a home and there's 10 residents or eight residents and one or two caregivers taking care of them, they know the caregiver by name. So you're not going to have the same kind of uh, issues that you would in a big nameless, faceless facility. So in the home, when you said you mentioned renovations, so let's break it down. Number one, uh, for the real estate, because I want those of you listening who are saying, Passive, by the way, just you can invest money and either lend it to somebody on that real estate itself, just a, you are the note holder and you're lending the money. You could do it where you're getting a preferred rate of return, let's say 5% of your money and a percentage of the profits. So you're sharing of the profits, maybe end up with 15 or 18%. You could be a full-blown partner where you are getting equity in it. You're not just providing the capital, but you own a piece when you refinance, get it back. All those same strategies you use, Lane, with the, with the apartments there, right? That's all the same stuff. So you can do that. But the concept of the house itself, when you're thinking about where to do it and the house itself, uh, before I get into what to do to the house, where to do it is much, much more important. Location, location, location. Going back to our movie references for the morning here, the idea of the field of dreams. This isn't if you build it, they will come, right? It has to be in the right location. So what is the right location? And that's going to base on the demographic. I don't want to be next to the university where the average age is 30 years old because their parents are 50 or 60. Now, those 30-year-olds think their parents should be in assisted living, right? They think they're old and should be there. (laughs) But really, it's not that age group. What I'm looking for is a 50, 60-year-old because their parent is 80 or 90 years old. That's the parent who's going to be in the assisted living home. So the neighborhood itself, demographically, I want it to skew older versus younger, one. Two, how much money they make. If the average is this, I want the the income average in that area to be higher than that. So above average income, nicer home, older people, because their parents are the ones that are going to be in the assisted living, they may move the parent closer to them. They may live in a different state. They may live in the mainland or there, it doesn't matter. And they move them to closer to where they live so they can go visit them on a daily or weekly basis. So location is critically important. The real estate, 
you don't need to be uh, beachfront, mountaintop. It doesn't need to have all the things that you and I would want. It needs to be a safe, comfortable, convenient location. The house itself, single level is better than multi-level because if there's any mobility issues, but there are thousands and thousands of assisted living homes that are multi, two, three stories. It just depends on how mobile that senior is. One of my grandmothers lived to be 104 and she would climb the stairs to the bedroom until she was 100 years old. So I know I, I've been living in a single level house for over a decade just because I don't want to go upstairs. So mobility issues there, but there's ways to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Single level better, bigger is better. Rule of thumb, 300 square feet of living space per resident is a really good, comfortable home. So if you have a 3,000 square foot house, you can have 10, 12 residents in that home easily, comfortably. The state will allow you to do it half that space, by the way. The state minimums are, are very minimum, but I want you to do bigger, nicer, comfortable. So the single level is better. Bedrooms, you can have two people in a room, semi-private, Some states actually allow you to do more than that, but I don't want you to do that. Two in a room or private rooms. Most homes don't have 10 bedrooms. They may have three, four, five. You could put two people in a room, but just like you said, you can convert space. Uh, We just had our, we do a three-day training here in Phoenix, Arizona. People come from all over the country. The second day we do a bus tour and they come out and see the homes. You actually see some of that here. But in the homes that we went through, I showed them, here's a room that was a family room. And now we divided it up into two private rooms and a shared room and a family room. So all of that space, instead of a big, huge, great room with a thousand square feet, is now four beds. And that produces $15,000, $20,000 a month in income. So there is some renovation you're going to do. And the location is the most important. In the major markets, maybe some people will live around these places. What are some of the neighborhoods that, you know, typical, what you guys would look for? So when you, you mean neighborhood like uh, a specific name like Palisades, or do you mean just what am I looking for within the neighborhood? Yeah, maybe sp- specific neighborhoods that in major markets that people have probably heard of and say, oh, okay, now I get it. I'm sitting here when I call Phoenix, Arizona, but I'm not in Phoenix right now. I'm in Gilbert, Arizona. So in Arizona, there's Phoenix, and there's Scottsdale, and there's Gilbert, Tempe, Chandler, and all these other little cities that all mishmash together. But it doesn't matter, pick any one of them, Gilbert. If I were in, I was downtown Gilbert last night uh, enjoying dinner and beverages. I wouldn't do it right there because it's right downtown and it doesn't quite make sense. Now I'm off here in a suburban neighborhood where there's really big homes that are single level. Uh, This is a perfect little hamlet, if you will, but it's Gilbert, Arizona. But there's tens of thousands of people here and many, many miles of, so it's hard to say here's our neighborhood. So within every neighborhood, you've got like a pocket of, hey, this is where the older people are in this area. And then here's the thing. And I want everybody to know, because there's people listening from all over the country and even all over the world. Every place is different, but old people are everywhere. And when I say old people, what I mean is people who need assisted living. The, uh, you know, in the, in the U.S. mainland, a lot of times people think, oh, when you retire, you move south. You go to Florida or Texas or Arizona. Some people do, but most people don't. Most people stay where they're at so they can be by their kids and grandkids. So if you're in Maine, let's say, which is way up in the north and it's cold and freezing, you can do assisted living there. So it's not so much this specific neighborhood because you could scrape away whatever is there. It could be outside of a neighborhood. It's the location making it easy for you and I, two brothers, whether we're the kids or the grandkids, being able to go visit there. So the, the location is where we are versus, you know, the, the house or the neighborhood. 
So the people like moving south, would you say that they're the people that don't really have the family anymore and they're just, they don't really have any ties or what's no. kind of making people move? Well, people tend to move south because it's warmer. They don't have to deal with the snow and the cold and the freezing. And so you can't relate to that there where you are. But (laughs) (laughs) when I lived in upstate New York and it's, you know, three feet of snow on the ground and it's zero degrees, it's like, what am I doing here? And so when you get to be 80 years old, it's like, you know, your body doesn't work as well. So they move south just because it's warmer. Like my parents did. They moved south uh, when they retired My father was a college professor. My mother was a nurse and taught nursing. They moved to Florida. But as they got, um, as as life progressed and they got older, they moved back up north so they could be closer to the family. So they ended up moving back up north to be with us. It wasn't that they didn't have family. There's seven brothers and sisters in my family, but we are not down in Florida. They were staying warm, retired, right? But they moved back up. So people are going to, family is important. And I I just want to say that too, because a lot of people listening are like, well, our family, we're going to take care of mom. We're going to be there for her. And I get that. But the reality is we're, I'm not designed to be a caregiver. Uh, When I say that I'm not a caregiver in the homes that I own, I hire caregivers to take care of people that are trained and that's their heart. That's what they want to do. I'm a son. I'm a grandson. I'm not a caregiver. So I get it. I appreciate the fact that a lot of people say they're going to take care of mom and dad. But if that means quit your job, move in with mom and dad, can't take care of your own kids, and you have no life other than to take care of them, that's where things change. So that's when you either hire somebody to move in or take care of mom or dad, or you bring mom and dad someplace where they're safe, comfortable, 24-7 care, and you come and visit them. Right. And and it comes down to like, what's your highest and best use? And if you're a working professional... Yeah. making a hundred grand a year. I mean, really, you, I mean, you can hire somebody who's a lot better and it's going to be a lot better on everybody to, uh, to get exactly. that. Exactly. Right. And that's what you want. Ultimately we want mom and dad to be safe, but also I want to say this too, that this is an event driven business. Not everybody moves into assisted living. And usually what happens is there's an event, let's say mom or dad falls in their own home. They go to the hospital, get an x-ray. Thank goodness. Nothing's broken. But at that point, the caseworker in the hospital says to the family who's concerned, saying, all right, who's going to keep an eye on mom? You know, she could fall again. And if she does, she could break a rib, break a leg. It could be a problem. And that's when the kids, the event now, the kids are now discussing, all right, who can come in and stop in and see mom? Who can move in with mom? Who can take care? Or do we bring her someplace else? That's the event that triggers this whole thing. Most people want to stay at home, 90%, according to AARP. That's their stat. 70% of us are going to need help with the activities of daily living for an average of three and a half years. So a little bit of help or a lot of help, if they need help, the question is who's going to help. And the assisted living is one way to do it. So to kind of get into the, uh, the marketing mindset, you know, if you're, if something like this does happen, an event does happen, Mm -hmm. how does uh, a family go about finding a good uh, place for mom and dad? Great question. Obviously, there's there's probably you know a lot of referrals to the big boxes, but how do they get access to some some of the smaller guys that you guys work with? Great question, and you know I'm going to give you a national chain that I don't recommend, but I want to give it as an example of what you'd recognize on TV. There's an advertisement. I don't see it as much anymore, but it's called a place for mom. So a place for mom is a national franchise where they have uh, agents, brokers in each area. So if you were to just Google a place for mom, it's going to ask for your name, your zip code. It's going to gather that information. It's going to send it out to the local franchisee 
who's going to give you 10 homes that have contracted with them to pay them a referral fee if, if, they, if you come to them. So a place for mom, the bad part about a place for mom, the reason why I don't recommend is they don't go to the home and see if it's a good home or bad home. They just know they're going to get paid three, four, five grand if your mom moves in there. What you want to do is you want to go see the home. So how do you find a home? One, you can go to your own state's website. And if you just go uh, Google and DHS, Department of Health Services, it could be a different department. But if you just do DHS, the state name, it's going to get you to a .gov website. When you get to the .gov website, just put in the keyword search up there, assisted living. Somewhere, great thing about government sites, tons of information, bad thing, hard to find it, right? So keyword assisted living is going to get you to a list of the licensed homes in your area. Now, there could be dozens, hundreds, or thousands of those homes. But when you get there, find your location and now look at the homes around there. And then I'm going to suggest you go there, see them, secret shop them. Hey, I've got a parent who's looking to go in. And this segues into the part, if you're thinking about getting into the business like I am, and you want to do some market research, this is exactly what you'll do to go look at what's in your area now. So go see the big box facilities with 200 beds and go see the single family homes with five beds. So you can get a feel for what does each one offer and ask them questions like, what does it cost? And how full are you? And is there room if mom needs a, a space today? And if the facility says we are full, there's a waiting list. That's a good sign from a business perspective. You know they're good if others are living there, but it also may be the only home in town and that's why they're full. Because you may go there and they're full, but the thing is crap and it's you wouldn't put your mom there and you're like, this is incredibly expensive and I don't want to even slow down the car in this area, but they're full with a waiting list. That's your sign that there's a huge market opportunity for you. Right, right. And I'm thinking also, you know, if you can make a nice website, kind of think, you know, think how, you know, people do their Airbnbs, how they break off Airbnb and kind of do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's uh, definitely a, a market that you can kind of get into. But let me, I want to finish that because again, somebody, we, we all had a conversation, you and I, before we started. But if you are truly looking for a place for your mom, here's a couple of suggestions for you. One, go see the home more than once. The first time you go see it, it's kind of on a tour. They're waiting for you. They're ready for it. Smiles on, house clean, all good. Stop by on a weekend or maybe early evening when they're not expecting you and see what it looks like then. Is it total chaos or is it just the same as it was on the tour? Uh, talk to the caregivers because those are the ones that are taking care of mom and dad on a day-to-day basis. It's not just the manager or the owner. You, you're never going to, you rarely see me at my homes. People there, maybe even the caregivers don't know that I'm the owner but they see the manager and the caregivers though, those are the ones that are taking care of mom and dad. And when they say it costs $3,000 at the big box facility, ask what other expenses are there? Cause they're going to pull out a menu, say things like, well, does mom want to eat? Well, of course she does. Well, that's extra. Does mom have medication? Well, that's extra. Does mom need, before you know it, 3000 turned into 6,000 because of the extras. We're in a home in residential assisted living. It's one price and it includes everything. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, there's different payment schemes, right? I mean, I hear about this all the time, like, you know, you, there's, you can pay $200,000 to get in and then it's kind of like an insurance program where if you run out of money, then you know, you kind of paid in, but yeah, you know, they die the next six months, then well, too bad for you. So let's discuss that. Cause some people listening are like, what's he talking about? In, in that CCRC, that big continuous care retirement community, many times, just like Lane said, 
it's $200,000 just to get in. And now you're paying $2,000 a month to be in independent living. Then it's $4,000 a month to be in assisted living and $8,000 a month to be in skilled nursing. But they paid money to be able to go through this process. And if they pass pass on along the way, they may or may not get back some of that $200,000. Just from a business plan, that is brilliant, you know, from that side. From the consumer side, it's like... What are you kidding me? Yeah, you know, I'm just kind of thinking, man, someone's getting holes in this arrangement, right? I mean, they have the act, you know, it's a convoluted payment scheme and, the, you know, they have all the actuary tables. They know what's up. It's going to happen. It's amazing. <laughs> in the, again, in the single family home, it's different. It's kind of like a rental, but it's not. It's not a landlord tenant relationship. And by the way, I know you guys have a thousand questions about this and I'll show you how you can get some more information on it. But when somebody moves in, it's typically month to month. So they're going to move in. It's five grand a month. There may be a small security deposit, maybe a thousand, maybe five thousand. But small security deposit, they move in and they're there, and they're going to stay there basically until they pass away. And then at that point, there may be prorated a refund if they paid in advance for thirty days and they were there for fifteen days. Maybe they get that other fifteen days back. But we don't do the big lump sum up front. Yeah. So I mean, paying as you go for individual services like that—that's just. To me, that just seems more transparent and the way it should be. But from your insider's perspective, when you get those, you know, two hundred thousand dollars up front and then this smaller payment in in the future, yeah, is that kind of um, a screw job, kind of in your opinion, or? No, it's that's just that's the way they, the big box facilities in the CCRC, do it. Some not, not all of them do. Some do. Some don't. Um, but it's, it is one method. And some people love that. They love the fact, like my, my in-laws, they're in Florida right now. They're in a home that is, in, it's their own home, but they paid basic top dollar for it. They live in the home, but they also pay a couple of thousand dollars a month to have somebody take care of the home inside and out. You need a light bulb change, it's done. They take care of everything. So it's a low maintenance way. It doesn't even have assisted living in that neighborhood. It's just, there's another way. So I also want to inspire some of you listening because the Golden Girls, the show from the 80s, it's on reruns now, four mature women living in a house together, no caregivers. That's a great rental model. You could take a single family home instead of renting it to students or Airbnb. You got four seniors, one in each bedroom. Instead of two grand for the house, you're charging each of the four people a thousand, maybe 1200, including utilities. This way they have the community of living with each other. The house is taken care of. And you certainly have a long-term tenant, but it's four of them paying a grand instead of one family that moves out in a year paying two grand for the whole house. So you can really get massive cash flow. Plus, as they age, those people could move into your assisted living home that happens to be down the street or in the same neighborhood. So there's combinations of things that you can do for senior housing. But bigger, bigger picture, you look at any chart, the baby boomers, it's like a spike. It's like a tsunami that's coming our way. You just can't ignore the fact that Seniors are here. They're going to stay. They need a place to live and they're going to need some help. Right, right. So, I mean, if people are kind of getting to that age, what are the people doing that if they don't have money and they can't afford the four or $5,000 a month? Yeah, well, uh, the good news is the federal government gives money to the state government. Then the state in each individual state will come up with their own plan. Uh, if a senior can prove that they have little in the way of assets and little or lesser in the way of income, they'll subsidize it. So what that really looks like, to give you numbers, let's say the state says we'll pay up to $2,000 a month for that senior care. 
They're going to say to the senior, how much social security do you have? They say, well, we have uh, $1,200 a month. They say, okay, senior, you can keep $100 of your $1,200. The other $1,100 goes towards the $2,000. Then the state writes a check for the $900. So now they got $2,000 to spend. Now, if the average bed in America today is $3,750 per month, and they've only got $2,000 a month, they're going to be in a really substandard low-end home because I can't, as a businessman, make money doing that. I can't have 10 people pay me two grand, pay the caregivers, pay for the house, the food, the insurance, and do a good job. So I could focus on them, but now it's more of a charity and it's more of a, a true... You're like a slumlord for old people. Yeah, and that's bad. Don't want to do that. On the other hand, there's people, private pay, and this is you and I, we're not going to let mom live in a sketchy place in the bad area. We're going to put up the money. So mom may have, and this is where the money comes from, their own home. They tend to own it free and clear, so that gets liquidated. There's money there. They have a pension plan. A lot of older folks literally worked at a place for 30, 40, 50 years. They got the watch, and they have a real pension. There's that money coming in, Social Security retirement accounts, other assets. So all those things are liquidated to pay for their long-term care. And once that runs out, the kids now, yep, they could go to the state and get the two grand, but they still don't want to move mom into the sketchy home. So if your bed costs 5,000 and the state's only willing to pay 2,000, the kids could come up with the other three grand, or they could move into a smaller or lesser room inside the house and pay less. Or eventually the kids, you know, will use their own money and it could be their own cash, their own retirement accounts, their kids' bank account. And now think about what I just said. They're liquidating their future to take care of mom today. All that could be solved by owning one of these homes. If you own just one residential assisted living home, and I can teach you how to do it, not only are you making 10 grand a month in profit while you're alive, while you're there, but if mom needs help or you need help, you can move right into the master bedroom and live for free. Right. Aunties and uncles and your cousins and yeah. sisters. Yeah, think about that. So, are, there, are there any um, like government subsidies, you know, for the operator, like any debt financing or any? You know, you could, and there's probably grants and all kinds of stuff. But anytime you take money from the government, it comes with a, a handcuff. It comes with rules, regulations. It's a residential home. So if you're just taking a home and converting it, you can get a Fannie or Freddie loan because it's non-owner occupied rental real estate. If, you're, if it's already been converted and you're buying the business itself, you're buying a business that's operated inside that residential home, SBA will, will fund that. So SBA loans, USDA, there's one that most people don't know about, but they will provide the capital guaranteeing a bank loan. Uh, private lenders, we love to work with private lenders because there's literally trillions of dollars sitting in cash. It is so funny. I just pulled this out of the newspaper. Look at this thing. This is an ad I saw in the newspaper today, and they're proud to tell you they're paying 1.15%. And, and then they show this little graphic of a little seedling. <laughs> That's actually pretty good for, you know, out there in the media. Great. <laughs> I just think, I think it's so outrageous. It's like a picture of a little seedling. Like you get 1%. It's like a little sprinkle to make your money grow. It's like, how ridiculous. So there's private lenders that'll lend money at 6 8%, and they're giddy about that because what are their alternatives? 1%? A CD making 1%, that's ridiculous. Right. So what is the first step for, you know, guys are, you know, you know obviously they see this trend. What's yeah. the first step for someone to kind of get involved? You know, what's the first thing to start Googling in their local area to see if they can start doing this? 
So the market research, like I said, is to go see those homes that are already there and you get a feel for it. And once you see that these things exist, number one, and that people are paying five, ten thousand dollars a month for it, you know, your entrepreneurial mind is not going to go to sleep. It's going to be, whoa, there's a huge opportunity here. Then you can decide whether you, you're going to get involved one way or the other. That's the other thing I always tell people, Lane. You're either going to own the real estate or you're going to operate the business or you're going to be lying in a bed and writing a check to have somebody else take care of you or auntie and uncle. So one way or the other, you're going to get involved. The question is how. So right now you have a choice, but go see what's out there, the competition. Uh, just do some basic demographic research in your own area as into how many people are there, what the income is. But you need to learn a lot and be very, very specific and very uh, intentional about the where you do it and how you do it. That's really, really important. So obviously we can teach you how, but as you're going to look at this, there's so many people that need this help. And there's you know specific states that there's a lot of seniors now, Florida, Texas, Arizona, but they're in every state. And I just want you all to know that they're in every state. They need your help. There's a massive need for this. I don't want to focus on Medicare and Medicaid because that crisis, it's going to get solved one way or the other, probably through taxes and so on. But that's not the part I want to play. I'm doing private pay. So people who are paying for it themselves or their kids are, it's very lucrative. That's the do well part. But you can also do something good by helping these people. So check out your competition or the people that are offering this service in the area now, and then decide if you want to play in this game, if you want to learn more, and I can show you how to do that part. Right. And, and you know, when I, I, I kind of been hearing about assisted living and, you know, I, I see a lot of your guys' students, mm. but then I also see a lot of the local people doing this, you know, the very unsophisticated mom and pa investors. And yeah. I think when you start to go visit some of these sites, you start to realize that, yeah, this is a very fragmented market and, when it's fragmented, man, that's an opportunity to, to kind of get in and, you know, yeah. make a, make a website and just like clean house with these, the competition. Well, for, let me address that because you are right. Most of the people that do the residential assisted living, it is mom and pops. So the house exists, the kids moved away. They've got empty bedrooms. They say, you know what? I love people. I love making food, doing laundry. I can move some seniors in, into the kids' old bedrooms charge them three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month to make a good income. And they're right, and they do it. And they soon realize they're trapped. They can't take a day off. They can't take a week off. They're making good money, but they're not working on their business. They're literally working in and living in their business. That's not the way I want you to do it. So if you see that, just look at this. Just like Lane said, it's a fragmented industry. What can we do better to make this work? Instead of selling coffee out of uh, the back of a truck and a cooler, huh? maybe we can make Starbucks. And that's the systemization and doing this. So we have students that are doing not one home, but dozens of homes and people that are doing not one bed, but their goal is to do hundreds and thousands of beds with the ultimate view of packaging it together and selling it off to the big guys and cashing in for hundreds of millions of dollars. So we're in a great time, a great space, a great thing. I, you know, you and I, we're, we're probably sophisticated to learn about Bitcoin and, you know, blockchain and things like that. That's the future. That's, we know that's going to happen at some point that'll become more norm than it is now kind of on the fringe, but is it real? Is it not? We can all debate that, but seniors aging and needing a place to live. You can't fight that. You know, it's just, it's coming. It's how do you deal with it? Do you profit from it? Do you ignore it? All right. I like it. Cause it's boring. <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you mean it's boring? Like you, you, it's it's stable. Is that yeah? What it's very, well, it's not glamorous, right? You, you got to stay away from the glamorous stuff. That's interesting. Uh, a lot of people go towards the glamour. They want the glamour. Yeah, they want the Bitcoin. They want the uh, Airbnb, the short-term rentals. Yeah, you know, Airbnb is such a great case study too because a lot of people look at that and say that is awesome. But then when communities come in and say, we're going to outlaw that like Anaheim, you know, we can't do it anymore. It's like, man, that's right. That's why I don't like it. It's uh, you know, it's so speculative. It's like investing in pharmaceuticals or mm. just go away whenever. So if you want to learn more, I can, I can get you information. I, and I just encourage you though, if you're going to do this, really think it's not just the money, not just the business, it's the people side. And there are humans involved, and I mean uh, residents as well as their family, as well as the caregivers. Uh, all of that is important, but you also have to have a business mind because in that three-legged stool, if any one of them goes away, the whole thing falls down. Right. So a couple of questions before you wrap up. Um, you know, can I get people rolling? Obviously, I'd probably suggest going to Gene's course because this is an operational business. This isn't like an apartment where you know the deal can kind of run itself. You mm-hmm. just stick a property manager. This one's very operational intensive and you've got live people in there and it's very health liability too. Um, but so out of your students, are, are most of them buying brand new real estate and, you know, maybe doing a rehab to get the property or are they buying it from like a distressed mom, pa, assisted living owner? So there's, I'm going to say three models. One is to buy an existing, uh, as you said, distressed, and maybe it's not distressed, but a home that exists today that's already been remodeled and it's licensed and you're buying the business in the home. Second model would be to take an existing home, uh, real estate, residential home, convert it, go through that process, start the business. And the third would be just to build from scratch. So raw land, build from scratch. And we have students doing all three of those. Is there an opportunity for someone that, you know, they have a big house to just rent out one of the rooms and maybe pay a part-time nurse to come by? I know, I know here in Hawaii, there's people do all kinds of things. They, they, they have two rooms, they have the nurse live in there and that's, that's their salary and they, uh, um, they rent out the other. Yeah. I'm going to say there's an opportunity to do that. I don't think your listeners right now are the ones who are saying, yes, I want some stranger living in a bedroom and have a nurse check on them, make sure they're alive. That's not what I want to do. Uh, so you could, there's an opportunity, not what I'm suggesting you do at all. I want you to treat it like a business location is number one. And then it's everything down from there. But also I wanted to touch on this because everybody always wonders about liability and you mentioned it once and I don't want to gloss over it. When we talk about liability, I know exactly in essence, what's going to happen, an older person is going to move in the home, they are going to die. And that's the reality of it. But nobody is surprised. The family, it's not like they move mom in, assuming they're going to live forever. As a matter of fact, they're kind of budgeting. Well, I think she's going to last for a year or two or three. So when she does pass away, and again, if you're squeamish about that, then don't get in residential assisted living because it's going to happen. I look at that as an opportunity on a ministry standpoint to help that family through that transition and so on. It's just a great thing. That's the do good part. But they're going to pass away. People aren't upset, though. If, they've, if mom has been in the home for two years, three years, seven years, and they're paying five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000 a month, they have literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably much more than they ever thought they were going to spend, and mom passes away. Well, I'm guaranteeing you at least somebody, one person, if not most of the people in that family are like, mom's in a better place, and thank goodness, because that was our inheritance going away little bit by little bit. 
So yes, we do have insurance for that, but I've never been sued. And if you do a good operation, you're going to be fine, but you do want to have the proper professional liability insurance for it. Not you, do you need like a medical officer or someone with medical training sign off for you? Because it's just like your rental property, except instead of renting it to a family with, you know, two kids and a dog, it's, it's a group of seniors that are living there, but the tenant is the operation, the LLC that is owning and operating that business. And there's all kinds of questions coming up. Well, what about an HOA and operating a business in a home and so on? HOAs have no standing at all. The Fair Housing Act says you can't discriminate against grandma. Even though some states say you can only have eight people in a home or 10 in a home or four in a home or 12 in a home, that's discriminatory. You could fight that in a law, in a court of law, but I'm not going to do that. I, I like to know where to do it, what are the rules of the game, and let's play. And that's the way to do it. We'll walk you through it. So that licensing, does that come in when you have a SNF or the skilled, net, skilled nurse facility? You need that? Well, yeah, most of these residential assisted living homes throughout the country are licensed. And when I say licensed, it's, uh, it's not just like a driver's license as much as it is. There's three parts to it. You need to have a manager. So the manager has certain qualifications. Some states that's 18 years old, a GED, and a 24-hour course. Other states, it's two years of experience and training and tests and so on. So it depends on the state, but you need a licensed manager. Two, your home needs to be safe for seniors. That doesn't mean ADA compliant. It means grab bars, smoke detectors, maybe fire suppression. It's safe for seniors, whatever that means in your area. And then the third piece is that you need to have policies and procedures, rules that standard operating procedures. The state needs to know that you got a plan. You're not just putting grandma in a house, hope she works out fine, you know, give her some water and a couple of bologna sandwiches. There's got to be a plan there. So those three pieces, now the house gets a license. The house has a license based on it's safe. You've got a plan. You've got a manager. And those are the elements that you need. All right. So I, I've done a little bit research on this. I've gone to the state website. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's the, it, it looks a lot more complicated than just getting your uh, doing this course, doing this license. But it, it really is simple. I mean, a lot of these places, you know, just go for 36 hours of training. You know, well, like this. it's simple, but not easy. And I want to make sure that we're clear because I always love to get, you know, again, we just did our three-day class and I start the whole thing off with, I'm going to show you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Are you okay with that? And everybody says, yes, because I don't want to hear just all the good stuff. We're making 10 grand and so on. No, you, you have to do this. And I want you to know what it is and what it's not. But there are some challenges you're going to have to overcome. And whether it's licensing or location or zoning, yes, you, challenges you have to overcome. But if you simply stay with it and stick with it, you can absolutely do this. There are between 30 and 40,000 of these homes in, the, in America today and the U.S. alone. And there's many of these around the world. That's why I've been in five countries last year, 50 cities in five countries. And this year, it'll pretty much be the same, uh, just traveling all over to teach people how. Because the question isn't, am I going to do it in this area, this state, this neighborhood? It's, am I going to do this period? And the where you do it is your choice. You can do it anywhere you want. Right. I, I think a lot of people, they think, well, is someone going to block this? Is some, you know, in what cases does it actually happen like that? When you say block, you mean not allow residential assisted living? Right, in this certain pocket of the neighborhood that you just happen to uh, buy, you know? <laughs> even, even, well, first of all, you, you shouldn't buy it until you know you can do it. And uh, that's one. But there's all kinds of reasons why people say, oh, I don't want it in my backyard, NIMBY, not in my backyard. 
the gist of it is, though, it's a house. It's like saying, well, they may not let me rent my house out to a family, right? Yeah, I guess they, they could say there, you can't do that anymore. Discriminatory. Who says you can't rent out your own home? We could talk about all the what ifs, but the reality is this is such a massive issue and a massive need coming that they need solutions. They don't need to be shutting things down. They need solutions. Right. Your neighbors right next door could be your best customers and clients. They need to move mom into some place. Better to move her next door than, you know, an hour away in a big facility with Ben Stiller as the caregiver. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that to happen. No, definitely not. All right, Gene. Well, um, here, kind of get up to the end of here. I appreciate staying on so sure. late. Um, why don't you give out your website so people want to check it out? Um, I know there's different levels, right? They can come to the training, but they can also do it online, right? Exactly. And as a matter of fact, I, I go and I, not very often, but I do a day of training. And it, when I do a day of training, it's five or six hours. I took all that information from that five or six hours, brought it down to two hours of content. And I broke that down into seven lessons. And I'm going to give that to you guys for free. Uh, you can go right to a simple website, RAL101. So RAL101.com. And when you go there, you just there's a seven part training that's two hours and it'll answer a lot of the questions you've got. And at the end of that, you can either do a home study, a live training or say, Hey, I'm glad I learned, but it's not for me, but go check it out. RAL101.com. All right, Gene. Well, appreciate coming on and uh, make sure you guys leave an iTunes review to help out the show and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. 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 This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself, because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.